This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 21. Last week, we discussed what it means to own our story, finding opportunities to spark our joy, and really explore what is a keystone habit and how do we build that in our life. I hope all of you had an opportunity to explore what your keystone habit could be and what type of change you'd like to create in your life. I hope you had a chance to explore what habit stacking or habit layering could look like in your life. And all of these are just ways that we can tweak our life in little steps that just makes our everyday life a little easier and decreases the amount of mental fatigue, decision fatigue that you, that all of us experience with all of the decisions and all of the mental clutter that we have going on. This week, I'd like to continue that conversation on creating effective efficiencies in our life. And I want to take it a step further and ask, what would that look like in your relationships. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of relationship drama with my children, with my family, with friends. It's just normal. Sometimes things come up and you think, ah, I'm not sure how to best say this, etc. And what I realize is that a lot of this drama honestly is in my head, is in my own mind. And when the moment comes of this huge thing that I've built up in my mind, really the other person's totally fine. They didn't even know I was perseverating over this. So having a really clear understanding on how our thoughts create our feelings in that moment and understanding also that when I feel frustrated or upset or angry, really it's my thoughts that are making me feel this way and it is not any person outside of me. So I hope that you'll explore that within your own self and this would be a great opportunity to journal and to think about and I'm going to offer some journaling prompts. But this is the space that you, when you have some feeling that you're uncertain of, whether it is happiness, joy, sadness, anger, frustration, whatever it may be, when you have these emotions or feelings that you're not sure what to do with, you're not quite sure where it came from. Now, most of the time, if it's a positive emotion, we really don't care where it came from. We're happy to feel joy. But when we feel frustration or we feel anger or being upset or any of those 
those types of negative feelings or what we think of as negative feelings, we immediately look for where did this come from? Who caused this? What caused this? Oh, it's because the light was left on all night or it was because the temperature was wrong or it's because so-and-so said this or someone cut me off in traffic. And we find all of these external reasons why it might be. But in reality, it always comes back to our own thoughts and how they really create the feeling that we are feeling in that moment. And so I hope that you'll have a chance to explore that further. And the next time you have an emotion or you have a feeling that you're not quite sure of, think about what was I thinking that caused me to feel this emotion, this feeling? What was the actual fact? What was the actual circumstance that was going on? So for instance, a red car did not allow me to enter the freeway. So that's the circumstance. Or, or for instance, a circumstance could be my teenager shut the door in my face and my teenager shut the door just as I was about to walk into a room. And my thought could be, wow, he really doesn't like me or he doesn't want me to be with him or any of those thoughts that might come up feelings of and create thereby creating feelings of rejection or upset he might be completely oblivious to the fact that he shut the door in my face he would not even have known i was following him but now i have created this whole story in my head on why he shut the door and so many things right we are completing some paperwork at work and that's a circumstance there's papers and there's signatures that need to happen but then we have thoughts about them i don't really want to do paperwork i hate paperwork why am i always the only person who has to complete these signatures it's taking me so long i am incredibly slow and so you have all of these thoughts thereby creating a feeling of perhaps dejection or feelings of frustration or feeling tired or feeling upset, etc. But what if instead in that moment we chose to think there are papers, signatures need to happen on them or information need to be filled out and you need to sign them. And instead of thinking, why am I always doing this sucks? I don't want to do it, etc. What if we chose to think, I'm so grateful to have a job that allows me to make a difference in so many people's lives. And this is part of how I do it. I have to finish my charts. I have to finish these forms. And when I complete the paperwork, that's how I can communicate, etc. And maybe creating a feeling of empowerment or excitement. Now, I don't know how many people get excited about finishing charts or finishing paperwork, but I just want to offer you that perspective that we do have a choice in how we choose to think about things that are in our life that are things that just need to get done. And that are things in our life that really are just facts. Papers are facts. Door is a fact. The fact that I have a son is a fact. But what we choose to think about these things can create the story that we live every day. And ultimately, the only person experiencing the feeling from the story, from the thought that we build in our day, in our mind, is ourselves. So if there is something that is bothering you, that you're struggling with, that you're thinking about and feeling frustrated, or upset or any of those emotions that you really feel like it's not benefiting, then perhaps that is an opportunity to rewrite that story, to rethink what that circumstance could mean in your life. And ultimately, it's a way for us to take control and say, this is my story and I get to write it and I choose to take full control and I'm going to explore what sparks my joy. I'm going to build and design and create what I want to see. And ultimately, I'm going to choose thoughts that serve me 
that helps me, that empowers me to take that next step, to live out my story the way I want it to be. So if you could choose to think anything about your current circumstance that you may be grappling with, what is another way for you to explore that? What would be a thought that would serve you? What is a feeling that you want to have? And expanding on that a little further, I want to explore this thought of loving compassion, both for ourselves and for anyone else that we are in that relationship with. And a lot of times we think this is just the way it is. Of course, this is how you cut a tomato or a tomato, however you like to say it. So there's so many different ways to do things, but in our mind and and for most people, there is a right way. This is the right way to do it. And when someone else does it differently, it just seems wrong. In your mind, it just is. So as we explore this, what I realize is that in a relationship, we feel like this is right and this is wrong. I have a certain way of tackling preparing a meal and that's just the way I like to do it. And my husband has a different way of preparing a meal. And a lot of times it's really fascinating just to observe what the difference is and how we go about it. And we're getting to the same end product, but we do it very differently. And for the longest time, it was important to me that I show him why his way was wrong. But ultimately what I realized is that really nobody's way is wrong. We are all humans and our brains are wired differently. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. So just embracing that and not feeling like somehow the kitchen's going to be displaced by a different way of meal prepping, which sounds like something really simple. When it comes down to it, you feel disrupted. You feel like your daily routine is disrupted and and you think that there's something wrong when honestly, there's nothing wrong. It's just a different way of doing it. I've been exploring that for myself, just embracing the differences when my children come up with things, even though it's completely opposite of what I might do, just listening to them and saying, okay, can they do that? Can they explore what it means to be them, to explore their brain and how it's wired and what they might do next in a safe way? Why not? Maybe it is not the way I would do it. And how do I release that and just let it be okay? It's been a great experience. And I encourage you, if there's something that really bothers you that someone else does, maybe it's the way they open their toothpaste or it's the way they fold their bed sheet when they lie down or whatever it may be. There's so many things that I doesn't bother me, but the kitchen is, I love to cook. And so the kitchen is a very special place for me. Like I like it to be a certain way. And just to understand that, that it's okay. That as I teach my children to cook and do different things. And as I share the kitchen with my husband, so I don't have to cook dinner every night, but it's a blessing to have that. And that also means that I need to let some of the little things just fade because that's not what is important. So it's uh, it's just a different perspective, a different way of thinking, but I hope you have a chance to explore that because that too is actually a habit. It's a habit in our mind. We think that this is a particular way it has to be done. And when we relax that and blur the edges, what might that lead to? What might that open up for you? And not just for you, but for all of those around you. So I hope you have a chance to practice loving compassion, both for yourself, for the things that you need to do, because that's just the way your brain is wired and then also loving compassion for those in a relationship with you because their brain is wired differently and how do you come to a space with love and compassion and joy even though there are so many differences which is just part of being human as we continue this journey of self-discovery and building tools to live our best life i hope you'll tune in for future episodes and i look so forward to connecting with each and every one of you i'm so excited to welcome my guest today dr 
Kate Mangona. She's a board certified pediatric radiologist. She's a mom, wife, and keeps herself busy with a, a lot of different entrepreneurial stuff, including real estate investing. And she's the host and founder of the Madison Marriage and Money podcast and coaching program. Hi, Kate. I'm so excited to have you on. How are you doing? Oh, thank you so much for having me onto your podcast. This is so nice to be sitting on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. It, it really is a, a different feeling for sure. So I'm so excited to have you. I'd love to have you share a little bit about your journey and how is it to balance being a mom and being a physician, being an uh, entrepreneur and all of the different hats that you wear? Oh, for sure. I feel like it has taken me several years to find that balance. And it's definitely work every day. It's a little bit of work, work in progress. But I feel like I finally found that place where I can just be happy or I've found that the joy both in my career and my home life. I work three and a half days in the hospital. Sometimes I read from home, but most of the time I'm in the hospital now. And then also I get to spend one and a half to two days at home working on my podcast and my group coaching program, Medicine, Marriage and Money. And then I spend pretty much all my evenings and weekends with my two girls and my husband and my almost soon to be third girl and my poodle. So I feel like I've gotten like a really nice balance, but it, it has taken me, it's taken me a while to get here. Of course. Oh my goodness. And there's so much joy in what you're sharing. I can hear that, but I'm sure there are days where you think, okay, it's one more thing to do. And especially having little ones, how do you balance what you need for our own self development and growth and being our own self with, of course, the needs of the family and needs at work? How do you balance that? Childcare. That's number one. That is number one. I have found an amazing nanny. I've, we've done the whole gamut. We've done live-in nanny, which was actually not a live-in nanny. It was a live-in grandma for a year. We've done daycare. We did that for a year and a half. We did daycare plus au pair when we had our new baby. Au pair can help with a new baby. And then we were just still doing daycare. And then we've done nanny for the past eight or nine months now. We've had a nanny. And I feel like we finally just, she's the perfect nanny. She not only does she take care of my kids and my kids love her, but she also has volunteered to cook for the whole family, almost oh, all wow. of our family. This is something I didn't ask for. Mm -hmm. If I knew in the beginning, I would have been like, okay, yeah, let, next time I'm definitely going to search for this. But I just wanted somebody to take care of my kids. So I mm -hmm. would have peace of mind. So I wouldn't have to worry not only when I'm at work, but when I'm here at home recording in my studio and working on group coaching mm -hmm. and, and without that. And then plus she happens to have three sisters, two mm -hmm. of whom uh, babysit for us on the weekends, like Saturday. Oh. So my husband and I can reconnect and do Saturday night date nights. And we really try to keep that time protected for, for just us. It doesn't always work out, but it's like kind of one of those almost constants because he is so busy. He's so busy at work. Like I, I don't often see him that, that much during the mm -hmm. week. And then when he comes home, it's bedtime routine. And then him and me are trade my trade off doing mm -hmm. whole bedtime routine and putting the girls to sleep. So I think that's been the key to our success is childcare. And also just me and him both have had our own journeys of coaching, especially through mm -hmm. the pandemic and resetting our minds into this mentality that we're really just constantly working on ourselves. Mm -hmm. so that we can love ourselves, be happy with ourselves, and then support each other without blaming or shaming or mm -hmm. getting into these endless vicious arguments that just lead to nowhere, which sometimes still happens, mm -hmm. but it's a little bit different. It's definitely different than a year ago, for yeah, sure. For sure. And it's interesting, right? We've all had our own personal growth journey through the pandemic because we've had to, we've had to readjust and change how we do things. And there's definitely an element of isolation 
But one of the things that you said that I think that, especially as working women with a lot of expectations on our time, we don't do enough of is asking and accepting help. Because when sometimes people would say, oh, I can do that. I'm like, no, it's fine. Like, I got it. I can do it. And yeah, 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 it's fine. I've realized that honestly, I cannot do everything. And I am a very cranky person when I do. Oh, yeah. And then I'll do it. I'll do it louder and make lots of noises (laughs) and slam doors. Yeah, exactly. You're like, fine, I'll do everything. And and it's a lot. So I think that when I realized, okay, just asking for help, accepting help and accepting that, yeah, maybe someone else isn't going to do it exactly the way I want them to or that I expect it to be done, but they're doing their best. I I used to have a lot of additional after-school childcare help, and I don't have that right now. It's a lot of maybe my husband helping out or my kids, my older ones. And so I just have to, they're doing it with love. They're wanting to help and this is their best. Just even reframing it in my mind instead of saying, they're really doing doing it this way to annoy me (laughs) or like all the thoughts that we have to like, why are they doing it this way? And instead, just even reminding myself that they're helping me, they're here to be a part of my support network and and really it increased my own gratitude and appreciation for what they do. And I think it has helped them even develop. So my oldest is 16. And when we started, I, I used to have some evening care where evening like home help essentially. So someone would help with dishes or dinner or whatever. So just help me take care of everything without feeling like I got to do all of it till 10 right. o'clock. And so without, without that help, I'm like, oh my God, dinner, cleanup, all of that. We started getting the kids to help. And my 16 year old started being the dishwasher. And in the beginning, I would say 80% of the plates still had food on them when he was done. And so there was a lot of why is he doing this, blah, blah, blah. But again, that reframing really helped and just saying he's doing his best. He hasn't really, he used to wash a few dishes before, but he was never responsible for like all of the dishes. And I love to cook. So there's a lot of dishes, I'll be honest. But over time, I would say now the dishes are pretty good and, and it gets better. And at the end of the day, I just feel like he's learned a really good skill. And you can spend your time doing something else. Yes. Oh, it's so amazing. I Now I'm like, wow, I can enjoy the cooking part without feeling like, oh, I got to wash all these dishes at the end of it. What am I going to do? It's made such a huge difference. Just accepting that change as it comes up and saying, this is pretty good. I'll take the good with the challenges. No, my husband wants to install an extra dishwasher. So we have two dishwashers. So one is always clean and one is always dirty, which negates the or maybe you'd even need three or four because he doesn't want to have to put the dishes away. <laughs> That's just, a brilliant idea. Put them in and then take it out. And exactly. Yeah. I, I would say definitely there's been a lot of creative solutions to some of the usual problems, but I think just embracing that we need our personal time as well as the growth that we get outside. It's important to, to honor both. It sounds, I appreciate you sharing those ideas. One of, one of the questions I get asked all the time is related to the struggles that come from being I'll use it in air quotes, being stuck with your loved ones during the pandemic. So the reality is that we've been spending a lot of time together. And sometimes there's, I can definitely see a little bit of the effect of isolation from their own peer group and then having to hang out with their siblings. Or even for me, like I don't get to hang out with my girlfriends and then I'm just at home. I have two boys and my husband, there's a lot of male energy going around. So my daughter and I, in fact, she's, she'll tell me, these boys are driving me nuts. So, you know, how 
how, from your perspective, just what are some strategies that we can use when we are in a relationship? We want to nurture that. We want to grow it. But at the same time, we also need our own space. And the pandemic has, I think, accelerated the struggles that have come up. So what would be a good way to get started even strategizing how to work on that? Yeah, how do we get our own space when we feel maybe feel stuck, um, stuck at home with our spouse? Well, you know what? I had So I had a slightly opposite issue at the very beginning of the pandemic because of health healthcare reasons, because we didn't really know what was going on with coronavirus at that point in time. My husband moved out for two and a half months, two to three months, just live in a hotel, just so that he works with cancer patients who are immunocompromised. And plus we had a baby at the time. We didn't want her getting anything. And we were just trying to avoid transfer and risk of us, me working at the hospital, him working in his clinic. So that was really hard, be actually being apart from him. But then when we were together, it was, no, I think I just felt like I felt a little bit disconnected because of that apartness. Now, what really changed for me is when I became passionate about relationships and working on my own relationship, working on my relationship with myself, with my husband. And I did this over the series of three months during the pandemic, the very, the first three months, what was it? May, June, July, by joining different group coaching physician programs, because I feel like there's a whole online community. There is a community out there. There are resources out there. You just have to go find them. You have to be resourceful because we often may feel stuck either with our spouse in the same house or with them somewhere else, Mm -hmm. because we think we're the only ones going through the situation and and that our situation is unique. Everybody, like I've had so many clients come to me or write me emails. You know, my situation is unique or (laughs) probably different than what you hear or not like your other you know, I'm not like, guess what? We all have the same feelings about yeah. similar things or different feelings about it's just at different time points, but they all are related. We're all human. We just don't talk about it. We don't talk about these feelings often with people who seem more successful than us. And we don't talk about our failures. So when I realized these things, I started becoming passionate about relationships and doing this, this work and my podcast and getting these messages out to the world, I became happier. I started filling my own cup, my own bucket. And I realized in doing this, I was so much more pleasant person to be around for my husband. I was a more pleasant wife, a mom. I still have things to work on every day. I could always be more patient, not yell so much at my little girls, but it really helped. And I had always seen, and I've always had passions throughout my life, but I think you don't realize that they slowly slip away during med school and residency and then motherhood. And, and even after getting married, when you feel like you have to be so focused on your on the other person. So finding my own things that really brought brought me joy. And then, and then my husband noticed, like he saw the change that in me. And I think he was just, I don't know. We didn't exactly talk about it, but things just became more fun and light. Like the way they had previously been before all the pandemic issues hit and thoughts about our own mortality or our family's mortality, then it became heavy. And so being able to find that space on your own really helps that when you get back together, you can really nurture that relationship and support each other. And then I wasn't resentful. I probably used to be resentful or feel unappreciated when really those were all just stories I was telling myself, the same things we deal with now. But instead, instead of choosing to think, oh, he doesn't care about that I'm feeling this way. I'm thinking he just, he's thinking a different way. He's mm-hmm. thinking he, his thought process. He's actually thinking I've got it handled. I've got it taken care of. He doesn't need to step in because look at me. I may look like a little bit more graceful on the outside than maybe I am on the inside. Yeah, absolutely. And what a beautiful way to think about it. 
ultimately, I guess it really does come back to when we give ourselves all that love and kindness and compassion, take away all of the self-criticism or the perfectionism expecting, oh yeah, we're going to do all of these things effortlessly. It's honestly so much expectations that we place on our own self. But when we take some of that away and just say, I'm doing great. This is exactly, you know, I'm supposed to fall a few times while I learn, while I figure out how to do this. I always think about how kids, even my seven-year-old, she'll do stuff and she still hasn't gotten that, the full transition of, oh, you know, I'm bad at this. She'll do stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what you're doing. She's like, I'm so amazing at this. And I was like, wow, I love, I love her confidence and just that self-belief. And I think there's so much we can learn from our children, the amount of love and joy that they just exude for themselves and for the world. So I I love hanging out with them just really to see, okay, what do I need to work on next? Before, before the society comes and meddles their brain, right? They've got it. Yeah. Yeah. And really in any relationship, you're right. Because when we want to go into feeling whether it's love in that relationship or whatever the feeling it is that we want to create there, we got to create that feeling within ourselves. And when we are surrounded by that love and excitement and passion, then I think we really do attract that. And we essentially, it's we are working on this and then the other person joins us and, and it's just a continued growth instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to wait until someone else joins me and then I'm going to figure it out because yeah. it's hard to create that emotion with someone else. It's really coming from, from within us, if anything. Yeah, when we have that community, when you join these online communities, they're online right now, mm-hmm. they're back to in person soon, but it's hard to hang out with somebody in California and New York at the same time. So yeah, and then you get in the same mindset as the people you hang out with. So you have to evaluate who am I hanging out with on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. What is one of the biggest challenges that you've found in just really when you are going through those transitions, being a mom, being a wife, etc. So even let's chat about going from being a mom to two children to three children, there's a transition there. When we go from being engaged to being married, there's a transition there. I've always found it very interesting to watch that sort of phase of even my own growth and change. Because I always think we imagine that it's going to be a certain way, but times it's different. And that journey is I've gone through a few of those transitions myself and had no self-awareness whatsoever and really found that, oh, like it's harder, but I can't articulate what's hard or what are all of those things. But I found that as we go through these transitions in, in relationships and in even within our own sort of our next level or next phase in life, there are things that come up that maybe there might be limiting beliefs that come up or there might be thoughts that come up. Oh, this is going to be like really hard or this is going to be all of these things that come up. And I found it really fascinating. So I'm just curious if you've heard even from your clients, what are some of the common limiting beliefs in relationships and growth that they have maybe expressed? Yeah. Yeah. In those transition periods when going from no kids to kids or one kid to two kids or yeah, even single to married, I think there's a couple big things that come up. And the first thing is time management, right? Because you don't always figure out how it's going to happen before it happens. You just, you, you do it and you manage, but oftentimes it's like figuring out, it's kind of like getting out your schedule and figuring out, okay, I was single. Now I'm married. I was single. Now I'm married with kids. So I have to figure out where on the calendar I'm going to schedule myself, like my Mm. time to go work out, my time to think, to sleep, to get my many petties. And then I have to schedule. And then the same thing when, once you have kids, like you have to, again, get out the calendar and put intentionally put those date nights on the calendar or that time you're going to spend with each member of your family, or maybe the time you're going to call your friends. And these are things that may 
it might've just come naturally before. Mm -hmm. Like you're single, you just call your friends all the time or you hang out all the time, but then you accumulate more responsibilities as you go through life, which is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. I've loved marriage. I've loved motherhood, but it's become, I've become more efficient. You know how they always say, Mm -hmm. if you need to get anything done, give it to a mother, give it to a mother (laughs) and they're going to get it done. Like you Mm -hmm. just become so much more efficient and then everything else, it it becomes easier to handle. Mm -hmm. So time management is one big thing. And then another big thing I think that comes up in these transitions is our manual for ourselves Mm -hmm. and for others, which means the expectations, the unwritten, unspoken expectations that all of a sudden either we or society or our spouse has placed on us and that we place on others. Mm -hmm. And as a mother, we all think, or maybe not all, but many of us feel like we need to breastfeed all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. or we need to do this. Or people say, okay, you need to take this month to do this. And you need to start doing this because you're a mom. No, you don't need to do anything you don't really want to do, or it doesn't feel like natural or breastfeeding doesn't always feel natural to everybody. Mm -hmm. Every woman still want to try, but you have to just ask yourself, what are the expectations you want to keep? And what are the expectations you don't want to keep for yourself? And then for others, you have expectations that all of a sudden you've written into your marriage, but you didn't realize it. Or for your kids, think about, you know, the other person doesn't know about those. Like all of a sudden you get married and do you expect your spouse to cook or to clean? Because that's what you saw in your family growing up? Or do you expect your, you all of a sudden expect your husband or wife to take care of the finances or whatever, the yard work, and then figure out why you think that way, if that's been communicated and how the other person in the partnership feels. So I think those are the two main things when I'm going through transitions, I think about time management because we all become busier, but oftentimes everybody thinks they're busy. Ultimately, we all think we're, so it's because of time management issue and expectations are the manual we have for other people and for ourselves. I love that. Those are beautiful spaces to really examine. And I, one of the things about time management that I've heard too is, okay, so you think you have one child and you have say 10 things on your to-do list and, and then you have two children. You think I can still have the 10 things on my to-do list because it's going to be the two kids are going to be together. And it really doesn't work that way. It doesn't even have to be about the children. It's as we add things to our lives or as there are these periods of transition, it's so important to be kind to ourselves and say, okay, what, what really can I humanely do? Like what would be good for me? If I do 10 things, is that going to, at the end of the day, just make me hate everything about it? Or do I need to maybe take a few things off? I really consciously go through and and declutter both my mental, emotional, like checklist, but also just my calendar and think, okay, what are things, even though I may love to do it, or it may be something that I care about, but what are things on my calendar that really I can take off? Because we're always adding things on. We just don't do as good a job. Most of us don't of taking things off. Learning to say no. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes learning to say no to even ourselves because when, you know, we want to keep saying doing these things and really what can you do and and thinking what are your top priorities and are they reflected on the calendar? What if there are things that are on the calendar that aren't related to those top priorities and they need to come off. And then I think we do have these on even sometimes subconscious expectations that we place on ourselves. And I wonder one of the things that I think about is would we expect, you know, our best, would we give our best friend a hard time if we're struggling to do these things? And and you're like, no, I expect A, B and C to be done. But then when someone else is doing it, you're like, oh no, it's okay. A is good. So sometimes I feel that the expectations that we place on ourselves and the degree to which we hold ourselves accountable, oh, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. And I'm not enough or I'm not doing a good enough job. Like those are really, it, it can be exhausting. So I think that relationship, even with 
ourselves and that perfectionism, I think is one of the hardest things, honestly, that I struggled with just saying, okay, this is enough. I love to, to bake and to cook and my kids love to do it with me. And I used to do it a lot more, but now I'm working a little bit more. So I tell them we, we don't get to do it like maybe five times a week, but we still get to do it and have fun with it maybe two times a week or whatever is feasible. Just knowing that if we continue to push ourselves down that path, that really is exhausting, even for our own sight. Yeah. And just looking at the pandemic and all of the changes that it has brought for us, have you had any mindset shifts or anything that you've really recognized? Okay, that's just a different way. It's a perspective change from how things used to be. So just curious what your journey has been over the last year and a half. Yeah. Oh, gosh, the first one that comes to mind is this medicine, right? Like medicine and, and all these conferences that we now do on Zoom instead of in person tumor boards and consults mm. and telehealth. And I know that's, yeah, that's not related to everything, anything we've talked about so far, but that is the, I think the, one of the hugest shifts the pandemic has brought us in my family too. My husband no longer has to spend hours on the road traveling from hospital to go to different tumor boards because he is in his private practice and treats pediatric patients. So he has to go to all the pediatric places, like four or five different hospitals here in Dallas to the tumor boards. It saved him so much time and energy and just mental space to mm-hmm. worry about that. So yeah, things can be done a lot more efficiently in healthcare. And we just were forced to figure it out. And I would say just to echo what you said, there's so many things that (laughs) we had the resources and the technology to do it before, but we never did. I remember for our tumor boards, like we were sent the link, but no one's, no one did that. Everyone (laughs) came at seven in the morning or whatever, and they were there for the tumor board. And I was thinking that may include even going somewhere where that's not really where you're going to work that day, working at another hospital. And and you still have to go to this other hospital because of this meeting and so many more efficient ways that is accepted that it's like, oh, yeah, that's okay. And I hope that as things open up and I know we're never really going to go back to the way things were before, but as we create that new normal, that we have a chance to really say, what are the things that worked better? What are some of the ways that we could do things differently? For instance, one of the things that is an unexpected blessing is I think my kids actually are much more involved and engaged in what needs to happen around the house. Uh And I know that at some point, I definitely want to have more help because there's still a lot of things that I do. But I don't want them to lose that because that's actually not just a skill, but it's also a way for us to connect together as a family. This is how we all contribute. This is how we help keep our home clean or cook together or whatever it is. So I think there's definitely things that have helped and things that have been more challenging. So um, exploring that and I hope we get to keep some of the things that we've learned as well. Now, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, is there anything that you would tell her? What would you say? Oh my gosh, so many things. First of all, I would tell myself that it's okay not to know everything. It's okay to raise my hand, to be embarrassed, to fail. Like failing is normal. Like Mm -hmm. that, it's actually, my husband was telling me this weekend because I was talking about all my entrepreneurial endeavors here and some of my fears. And he was saying, Kate, if you don't fail at some of these things you're doing, it's actually a detriment because what are you learning? And then how are you improving your processes and how, and, and I hearing from him actually 
so much to me because even now I don't really talk about my fears Mm -hmm. that open, not even with my husband, which he's my main person. Yeah. And so just talking to him about that. And yes, of course I would tell myself in residency, it is okay to not to be, to not be the smartest one in the room. That was a normal, Mm -hmm. that was a normal in radiology residency. And I thought, I definitely thought I was going to be found out or something. And, and to continuously put yourself in situations that make you feel a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That's what you want. You want to keep growing. But in, even when you are in that situation, I would tell myself, even when you don't feel like you're the smartest one, or maybe even 50 percentile, like you can still help somebody who may feel lower down than you, who may feel not even as smart as whatever smart level you're feeling. Like Mm -hmm. you can still reach out to help the medical students are even below that. And you still have knowledge to give and you have so much to give and just, just do it. And, and if, if, if nothing, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other one thing a day and you're not alone. And I would tell myself mm-hmm. that I, that I am not alone and there are solutions out there to stop focusing on my problems mm-hmm. and to just focus on the solutions, surround myself with the people I want to become. I think I could have definitely done more of that. I, I've loved my friends and my family for sure, but just find Finding certain people that just constantly push, push you. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing. If any of our listeners wanted to know more about you and your programs, as well as how to get in touch with you, where would they find your information? Sure. So they can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. I have a Facebook group called Medicine, Marriage and Money. Oh, that's also my handle on Instagram, Medicine, Marriage and Money. And that's also my website, medicinemarriageandmoney.com. So super easy. And then you can also find me at Kate Mangona. I'm on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram as that as well. Awesome. And if you would love a copy of my ebook, I created last month, a medical marriage survival guide, an instruction mm-hmm. manual for physicians in love. And it's actually an ebook slash workbook. And if you'd like a copy of that, then just go download it. It's on my website. That's awesome. Yeah. What a great gift. Thank you so much. And I'll include that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us today and all the wisdom that you've shared such a fun conversation and I will have to have you on my podcast someday Serena. that would be fun absolutely thank you so much Kate for my listeners if there are any topics that you want to hear more please drop a comment below I would be happy to add those to our weekly content for all those listening thank you for joining us today if you found this valuable please like subscribe leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two I would so appreciate that I would love to hear from you if you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at serenitywellnessmd on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.